At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is Uncomfortable. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I am your host, Eric Slodgy. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. And most importantly, please share the show with others and make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review where you can. This is the main way that you can help get this show out in front of more people. There's a couple of events coming up that I'm going to be a part of. First will be the second annual Bigfoot and Brews held in Dwajak, Michigan this September 9th. This is in honor of the Dewey Lake monster sighting from way back in 1964. This year, Robert Kreider from New Mexico and Mr. Stacy Brown Jr. from Florida will be the main speakers for the day. Tickets are available. Seating is limited. So if you're interested, I would suggest picking up those tickets as soon as you can. I want to let you know that the Friday night before, at the same venue, we will be holding a VIP dinner, which will be a screening of Stacy Brown Jr.'s latest installments of the Skunk Ape Experiment. Both gentlemen will be on hand for the dinner, and then afterwards, we'll be viewing all four episodes of his newest project. Tickets are on sale now. I am looking for vendors, so if you're interested, please check out the vendor ticket on the Eventbrite link in the show notes below. Also, if you are interested in helping sponsor this event, please contact me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. 
just about a month later, October 7th, actually the whole weekend, including the, uh, the evening of October 6th, all day on the 7th and the morning of the 8th, you will be able to uh, join myself, Justin and Jay from the Cryptids of the Corn, Steve and Kyle from the Hollow Sky podcast, Chris and Joel from to Kill, the Kill a Mockingbirds podcast, Ryan, Justin, and Lance from the Appalachian Intelligence podcast, and now Bo Kennedy from the Bump podcast at the first 40 and Airwaves podcast conference. $50 is the cost per ticket per person for this event. That gets you access to all of us all three days. Starting the evening of the 6th, we'll have a Friday night meet and greet, an impromptu panel in the courtyard at the Inn in Ada, Ohio. Then, starting bright and early, Saturday morning, you will have access to all of the show's vendors' tables where you can pick up your T-shirts, stickers, and other merch from your favorite podcast. And then that whole day will be filled with each one of these podcasts taking the stage to do their thing. The end to Saturday's events will be a planned panel discussion with Q&A with the audience. Then Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do something really nice for you. We're going to head down the road just a few minutes, and we are going to provide you with a Bon Voyage pancake breakfast before we see you off on your way home. As a nice little way of just saying thanks for spending your weekend with us. Again, that's 50 bucks. That gets you all three days. There will be a link tree in the show notes below this episode. The links have uh, the conference center, the special pricing for the rooms, alternative lodging if you don't want to stay there. It's a one-of-a-kind opportunity for you, the listeners, to hang out with us and just let the weird hang out all weekend, man. So please check out the show notes, get those links, and if you're interested, please take part. If you've not heard yet, Uncomfortable Patreon is launched. I'm very excited about it. It's the only place you can find my video series, Uncomfortable Afterthoughts, and A Little Uncomfortable. Go to patreon.com slash uncomfortablepodcast770 and see if any of the tiers interest you there. Your support of the show has been amazing over the past few years, and I am hopeful that this is going to be a, a nice way for me to give back for all that support. The link for the Patreon and the Uncomfortable Discord will be in the show notes below as well. As for tonight's guest, this is Scott's second appearance on Uncomfortable. Scott is the proprietor of the Bigfoot Mapping Project. Last year, he was featured in a very, very good documentary called A Flash of Beauty, Bigfoot Revealed. If you're familiar with this project, his project... You'll know that his Instagram is constantly putting up maps of different states and different segments of data collected on Bigfoot, sightings, reports. I've wanted to have Scott back on since the first episode that we did together. Uh, and then just recently, uh, probably within the last week or two, I saw his late, uh, a later post on the Michigan byways. And I figured that's my sign. Time to get this guy back on. So if you're ready, let's get into it. If you would, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to tonight's guest, Mr. Scott Tompkins of the Bigfoot Mapping Project. Scott, welcome to Uncomfortable. Hi, Eric. Great to be back. Um, Great just, to have you, my friend. 
it's just been fun catching up before the show and sharing all the news and hearing some of your stories about uh, things you've covered in other past episodes and sightings yeah. and just all the stuff that's been going on. It's um, I can't believe it's it's been so long already since I was on last time. It's, yeah. It goes so fast. It does. It really does. And and the older you get, the faster it goes. So you, <laughs> uh, me. <laughs> you, uh, you, you told me beforehand, uh, before we started recording that you are expecting a new member to the fan. So congratulations on that. And if I can give you any kind of advice, it is cherish every, every moment, even the ones that keep you up in the middle of the night, because man, the older you get, the faster it goes. And before you know, you're going to blink and it's like, holy crap, what happened? So congratulations to you and your wife on that. Thank Um, you. Listen, you know what? I had a great time recording with you last time. You got a great personality. You you carry a show really well. I think back in the last time I told you, you ought to probably try to think about doing one of these on your own. Um, (laughs) I remember that. So listen, you know, it's funny how things, uh, how things kind of are synchronistic. Um, maybe, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes before you actually entered into the studio here. Um, I was sitting in the studio, I was getting everything set and ready for you. And, uh, my neighbor, uh, he's having a new siding put onto his house and, I have no problem with the hammering and the nails. I mean, everybody's got to have their thing, you know, they got to do, <laughs> they got to work somehow. Um, but they had the music turned up in the backyard and it, it was a little loud. I don't particularly mind that, but it seemed like it was coming right through my air conditioner in the studio and it sounded like the music was playing right there. So I went outside and I said, Hey guys, I'm not trying to be an ass or anything, but I said, hey, I'm getting ready to record an episode of a podcast and could you please turn the music down some because it's really kind of filling the studio and they were very nice about it. They said, yeah. And the, the one older gentleman, I'd guess him, you know, maybe in his early, early mid sixties, great shape. God, I wish I was in good a shape as that guy was. <laughs> um, he says, uh, what do you podcast about? And I said, paranormal stuff, um, Bigfoot, UFOs, haunting stuff like that. And in the most matter of fact kind of way, he's like, I saw a Bigfoot as he's walking away and I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and, and he says, yeah, I saw a Bigfoot. And I said, can I ask where? And he's like up North 1972. And I was like, Holy crap. What? <laughs> and he was in the Huron Manistee national forest. And that's one of and, the places in getting yeah. ready for the show that I had come up with as like a hot spot for Michigan too. So, I mean, there you have it, right? That's just, yeah. I wish that was in the map. That's exciting. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of crazy how things kind of synchronistically always tend to come together. But right outside my my back wall of my studio, there's a guy that saw one, you know, back in 1972. He says, well, now I know where you live. So if I see another one, I'm coming to talk to you. (laughs) Come knocking. Yeah. (laughs) Pun intended, right? Yeah. So, Scott, I got to tell you, you know, um, about a year, year ago, Sometime during uh, 2022, uh, a new documentary came out, uh, a, a Flash of Beauty, uh, Bigfoot Revealed. And uh, I went into it. I, I got it the day it came out, um, not knowing anything about it, hoping and praying that it was going to be of good content. Um, not all of them are, 
as you might be aware, uh, aware. There, yeah. there's some there's some really really bad ones out there, but this one I thought was really well done. You had uh, you had a nice uh, you had a nice feature in there. You were uh, you were in there with uh, Ron Moorhead, who spoke at Bigfoot and Brews last year for me. Um, you were in there with Jeff Meldrum and a number of other people. Um, really well done. Um, till it got to the end. Uh, they and, cut that part out. And then I, then I watched it again, and that part was missing. <laughs> yep. And uh, so my son and I did a, a watch party of that. He was in Grand Rapids. I was down here, and we watched it together. And when it got to the end of this portion that we're talking about, I was like, hmm, I don't think so. And he's like, I freaking know that face. And within a couple of minutes, he had gone to one of these party city websites or whatever and pulled up the exact same mask. He sent me the picture. I put it into Photoshop. I blurred it a little bit. I turned it. And then I put it next to a screenshot from the that I took off the TV from watching the show, turned it to the same angle and then made it the same size. Mm-hmm. And it was a dead match. Mm-hmm. And inside of like 20 minutes, we had that thing busted and we're like, holy crap, you know, this was a great show. Why the hell would they put that in at the end? And then I watched it again and it was completely taken out. Yes. I actually, um, I don't know if you had a chance in doing your research about that, but they uh, have a Facebook post where they address that. Um, And I can't remember the exact wording, but knowing the director, Brett and Jill, um, well, from behind the scenes and we can, we correspond. I can say that I am confident that they, what they put in that documentary documentary, they believe, and there must've been more going on behind the scenes for them, I admire the fact that they they addressed it publicly yeah. and uh, adjusted their documentary to reflect learning. Right? They might have, uh, you know, I, I don't know the full story, but um, I do know them, and they are quality people. They're not out there to skew or or make things up. So mm-hmm. something something must have slipped through or convinced them that that was real footage for them to include it, and then they learned more and uh, yeah. addressed it and they openly addressed it publicly. So well, um, kudos to them for that. Uh, the yeah. only thing that I did see was I did see Jeff Meldrum had, uh, uh, I don't remember if it was a, a video segment or a post um, where he did draw some concerns about the Actually, addition yeah. of that. That, that was the only thing that I had seen. I think um, it was in response to that actually that they, they, um, I can't remember what they said, but I'll happily after the show go find it because I remember reading it. Yeah, and I also remember reading what uh, Dr. Meldrum posted, and uh, I think it was not long after that that the yeah. the, the documentary <laughs> was adjusted. So, um, but I will say uh, again, um, in terms of character, there was nothing that gave me concern, and clearly nothing about uh, you know uh, Ron Moorhead was in there. Everyone that. Um, met with the director Brett and everybody. They're um, they are quality, good people. So I I am inclined 
more than inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And everybody sometimes gets caught up in things or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I can speak to their character for sure. They're great people. In fact, I just, uh, just had, um, another, uh, on Saturday, I met with them and did a podcast and it just came out on Monday. Uh, so it's in, um, kind of a recap of what's happened between that documentary and now. And, um, we talked about, uh, some, they have some questions about different things. I won't spoil everything, but, um, we caught up and, you know, that didn't even come up to be honest. I, that, uh, well, I can imagine, uh, I didn't think to ask about it or anything either. Yeah. I don't think I'd put them on the spot on a podcast about sure. that either. But, um, <laughs> well, no, you know, like I said, kudos to them for, for making the adjustment and re-releasing it without that footage. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that speaks volumes of, uh, just what you're getting at, you know, the, the type of people that they are aside from that. That was a really well done documentary. It was good. It really yeah, was. It was, it's artfully done. Um, mm-hmm. and it's got great information. They stay on point and they weave the, the narrative, uh, with facts very well. Um, I was, I, I am still impressed. Uh, and again, I mean, I'm glad that they made the edit because that would have didn't do the rest of the documentary justice. Right. Um, so, Any idea on, on how well it's performed? Actually, I don't know. I have no, uh, no idea. I, I know that they're, they had enough, they made enough to make a sequel. I will say that. There's uh, a sequel coming I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask. That's so, awesome. I, that's all. I, I'm not, you know, in the loop on that. I'm just uh, on the periphery, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah, they are coming out with a sequel and uh, I won't spoil anything, but uh, I will say the trailer, uh, which I have seen before it's released. Uh, that's one perk, I guess. Uh, looks great. It looks it looks great. So I'm curious I assume, I assume you're in it again. No, not not in the you're film. In- not yet. Anyway, um, I just did the interview. uh that was following up so in preparation. So the interview may be in there. I don't really know. Um, yeah. yeah, but I was happy to happy to catch up with those guys regardless. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it, nice it to- is. It, it's, it's a very good show. Very good. Well done. And, uh, it, it ranks up there with, with the best of the ones that I've seen anyway. Yeah, um, I agree. And I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of bad my, ones. <laughs> my algorithm is forever scarred with bigfoot <laughs> the algorithm, it just serves up everything yeah. so you you can turn on any streaming service i have and you know last watched suggested for you uh everything uh-huh. is either you know ufo related bigfoot related um or or ghost stories you know it's 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 ridiculous i mean same same <laughs> i go to sleep watching uh the haunting shows that uh, so most people might get freaked out by them i go to sleep with them it's, yeah. you know? comforting <laughs> it's just, yeah <laughs> it's my wheelhouse right yeah <laughs> so scott what's been going on with the bigfoot mapping project since we talked last how's it doing it's doing well. Um, lots have going on. When was the last time? We, when what? Uh, a few, almost a year ago, was it? Um, I think it's been a little over a year. Wow, time flies. Then a lot has been going on. Um, one of the the my favorite things that I've done in the past year, um, as far as uh, putting information out there, mm-hmm. is this corridor series that I've done nationally with many of the states that have 
a significant number of Bigfoot sightings. Um, and I will get more. I hope we get a lot more into that uh, further into the, the show. Um, oh, we will. We will. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a unique show. I think it's the first time we've ever I've ever done what we were discussing where we're going to kind of get into a live uh, a live work workshop, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that's been a lot of work. And I've kind of uh, piggybacked on some of the green infrastructure data that Esri has provided and used it in a different way uh, to show how Bigfoot sightings and occurrences intersect with real verified documented wildlife corridors. So right. that's a big one. I've been promoting that. Uh, there's a whole series. If you look at the Instagram, that's pretty much all you're going to see um, until you scroll down. Um, as far as other exciting things, uh, there's a few. Um, it's funny. I didn't talk about this uh, in the pre-show with you, but uh, I, I don't know what to call it. And perhaps maybe you can give me some advice or the viewers can. But what I'm working on is creating, um, I call it like Bigfoot sessions, where um, I talk with or try to talk with people who are not necessarily in the community, um, but who are experts in their field, biologists, um, anthropologists, archaeologists, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, try to bring in kind of like what I'm doing, where I'm a GIS guy who's extremely interested in Bigfoot, and I apply my uh, expertise to the field and extrapolating on that idea. I want to convince people who might not be in the field and might not even have any interest to talk about how they would apply their different expertise to the study of Bigfoot. And I want to do that in a way that I can share with people through an interview type platform, but maybe not weekly or bi-weekly. It's basically as I get access to these people, sure. um, I would bring, put, bring them into the fold. Basically. Yeah. It's where I wouldn't say I'm trying to make them believers. I just want to learn from them and share what they do in parallel uh, studies, et cetera, and share that kind of perspective with, the Bigfoot community so that maybe we can bring in new techniques, new ways of looking at things through a different lens um, and, and and take it uh, from new voices, right? People that we, because I mean, there is a community and there are a lot of the same people talking about things. So anytime you can bring new voices in is always, I'm a new voice, I would say. I'm, I haven't been around sure. very much, right? So, and I hope to make it an impact. And I think, um, bringing other new voices in can only help. So it's through my experience, I kind of had that idea and it's, it's in incubation right now, I would say. Um, uh, I I think, I think it's a great idea. And, you know, I I agree with you, you know, you can go to a Bigfoot conference on the West coast. You can go to one, um, you know, in Colorado, you can go to one in Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. And, or as far down as the Smoky Mountains or down into Florida. And you're going to see the people that were on Finding Bigfoot, Cliff Berkman, Bobo, you know. Great uh, folks, Red, by Red the way. Which, yeah. yeah, they're great. Um, you're going to see Jeff Meldrum. You're going to see all these, um, this small pool of people who are very recognized and respected in the field of talking about Bigfoot. But, and there's a big but here. Um, 
so these people, when they speak, they're speaking on a, they're, they're leaning on a crutch of science. And, and it's understandable, you know, Jeff Meldrum is using the, the anthropology and the, 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 um, the anatomy of the foot to, you know, dissect and create his theories on this makes sense for the size of a creature that would be having these kind of prints. And this is how the foot bends and all that stuff. And, and that's all great and it's wonderful, but they're the only people that are out there that are using this science to lean against. You have you have hundreds, thousands of people who are having experiences and they don't have the science crutch to lean on. So their explanations for things are more um, emotional. They're more um, anecdotal, you know, out, out, anecdotal yeah. and they're, it's out of fear or it's out of how they, how everything was presented to them when they were having their encounter, you know? So um, I think it's important to have, science as a part of this conversation and the only problem is that the only science that we're getting is the same people who are in the science for years and years now you know so you'd right, bring other people in who are not necessarily a part of the the culture not part of the community that you can get to talk and speak on the subject I think I think that's a I think it's a brilliant brilliant way to get additional I so. information. I hope so. And, and it would be I wouldn't be trying to nail down their opinion. It would be more a conversation of a hypothetical. They may or may not believe in Bigfoot or think uh, think it exists. But if we were to get them involved, how would they take mm -hmm. this approach? What would they do that we might not be thinking about or implementing? in the way that we approach um, as a community, uh, the field of Bigfoot research. There's always kind of a way to disrupt. And I think just, uh, we haven't found Bigfoot yet, right? So uh, in, a, in a fully documented, widely accepted way. Right. Um, so maybe we, maybe we should evaluate um, some of the ways we're doing things and welcome some new perspectives. And I, I feel like the, through my own experience, the entire community is extremely welcoming and open-minded and positive. And I've only had a great experience, you know, yourself included, where um, people are very nice and interested in what we're doing, have great feedback, great constructive criticism, want to see you do well. Um, so I think um, that they would devour some new information, perhaps, um, Absolutely. you know, coming at them that way. So that's just one thing that I've been working on it's hard to come up with a name and a theme song and that's the hardest part yeah. <laughs> so, um but a couple other things uh i'm going to release a new version of the web app i've been uh, so if you haven't seen very many maps on the instagram lately i've been working behind the scenes on building a new web app on a new uh so platform called experience builder uh through arcgis online which has a lot more features um, it's a lot smoother. It's a lot faster on mobile. So I've been, uh, it's been two years now since I've updated the mobile app as well. So um, it's about time. There's a lot new functionality, a lot more functionality that I can introduce. So I've really been putting a lot of thought and work into making the web application, especially um, 
more of an analysis tool than just a viewer tool where you can go select an area, see the sightings, filter data, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, and introduce that other than just a, a viewing platform. So I think that really I need to live up to what I want the project to be and ignoring the new functionality really won't advance it anyway. So I've put a lot of time into starting to build that. And it's, um, I would say it's 50% there. It's, uh, it's, I won't release it unless it's quality. So um, we're 50% there and probably a little harder on myself than most people are. So uh, in the, a little bit of a perfectionist, I would say. Well, that's, that's a good trait to have. No, no yeah. doubt about it. Um, I, I, again, you know, it, it's the Bigfoot mapping project. Um, I have the app on my phone. I can't tell you the number of times that I have just, whether it was looking for something specific, whether it was looking just to peruse through. Um, and, you know, it, it's very affordable. What, do, what are you at? $1.99. So keeps the lights on for well under a cup of coffee. Um, yeah. One time, there's no advertisements. It's not a subscription. Um, but it really does help pay for uh, the platform I use, the software I use, website fees, domain, et cetera, you name it. Um, everything that comes in through the app, definitely, and more, <laughs> goes into the Bigfoot Mapping Project. So it's, it's it, every little bit helps. So I, I highly recommend it if you have an interest in this subject and uh, you want a, a quick and easy reference, no matter what state you're in, of looking up and finding what the most recent sightings are, you know, re uh, sightings from the past, um, hot spots. It, it's, it's a super, super easy app to use, and you can get a, a ton of information out of it. Even other it's, countries it's great. You, you did too. a great job. Yeah, we yeah to say uh, to add to your point, we've uh, we're international now. We've got some sightings and reports in Australia, Africa, oh, nice. Europe. Yeah, we're we're just missing um, South America. Um, I did not realize it. Yes, sir. If you zoom out, you can get on over to uh, to the rest oh, of the my, world. Oh my! I'll be damn. Yeah, you're right. Yes, sir. It's a little hidden secret. Not that I doubted you, but <laughs> that's awesome. Little Easter egg. You can kind of go see some, learn about the Yowie in Australia. That's where we probably yeah. have the most other sightings. I'm trying to um, expand to uh, outside the U.S. I think actually this is a good segue, touching on just the kind of phenomenon. And we were talking about the community uh, in the United States. Bigfoot is mainly um, the the way it's been embraced. Seems to me to be a, a very North American phenomenon. Um, in the way that it's entered mainstream culture and Pop one culture. Of, yeah exactly <laughs> very much so i mean yeah. just think of all the places you see it and the little stickers on cars everywhere and uncomfortable is pleased to have better help sponsoring this episode 10 years ago i found myself in the midst of something i never expected i was in crisis i needed help i knew i needed to talk to someone but my pride and my embarrassment of having to ask for help kept me from seeking in-person therapy. Had BetterHelp existed back then, it would have made a world of difference to me. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you will tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and your preferences in therapy. Then, 
BetterHelp will match you with the right therapist from their network. You can then talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone call, or even video call. You'll be able to message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If for any reason your therapist isn't the right fit, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you'll get the same professionalism and quality that you would expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you with more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. With this offer, get 10% off on your first month at betterhelp.com slash uncomfortablepodcast23. That's betterhelp.com slash uncomfortablepodcast23. Um, one Guilty. of the things, yeah, same, <laughs> they're all my stickers, <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> but, uh, one of the things that I would like to, to do with the project is, um, get outside of the bounds of, uh, pop culture in the U S and really start to bring in reports from other countries where, um, people might not be motivated by notoriety or, uh, you know, uh, not not that everybody is by any means, but I sure. just think that it would be bring a new um, a new aspect into the database where those reports are um, have a different motivation, right? So a so little that, bit different filter. Yeah, exactly, it. exactly. Yeah. So, and you know, um, it's also interesting what people from different countries and cultures observe and how they how they understand things. So. Uh, reading about what people in Asia, for example, or Australia or Europe, what they observe from their perspective and how they describe things will be interesting. And it will also be interesting to learn about Bigfoot behaviors, Yowie behaviors, whatever the local name is, um, and perhaps understand whether there's truly different species like the Orang, Orang Pendek, yeah. the Yeren, all those types of things. So going international, I think, is a very important part of understanding Bigfoot and in, in full, full uh, context, as opposed to just in the context of uh, the U S and North America as well. Absolutely. I agree. You're, you're doing a great job. Um, it is a, you know, I don't even describe it. I don't think of it as a job. This is fun. This is a yeah. passion project for sure. I, I'm, you know, we all use apps on our phone. I mean, you know, whatever it may be, but I mean, as far as a, a pocket caddy, um, for information when it comes to Bigfoot, I mean, I've had, I've had people message me, Hey, have you had any, you know, of anybody that may have seen one around so-and-so area? And that's the first thing I go to. You that's know, what is you, that's, that's the first thing for, I go yeah. to. And it's like, yeah, actually, that. you know what? There, there were three <laughs> sightings, you know, back in the, in the seventies or the early eighties, you know, in that area. So, um, it's great. And, you know, for a buck 99, you, you just can't beat what you get out of it. So I highly recommend it. Thank you for, uh, helping me, uh, get it out there. I, I don't do that well enough. Um, that's one thing I'd rather stay behind the keyboard so self-promotion is a weakness of mine. So uh, uh, that's, what we're, that's what we're here for. Thank you. No problem. So getting back to the state of Michigan, uh, 
Um, so as I told you before we started recording, I'm hosting Bigfoot and Brews for the second mm-hmm. year in a row. And that is in southwestern Michigan, Dwajak area. And back in 1964, it's the home of the Dewey Lake Monster sighting. Um, pretty much an entire summer worth of uh, several sightings. And uh, basically, when you when you boil it down, the sightings, the reports that were uh, in the paper describe something that was seven to nine feet tall, covered in hair, um, at times uh, appeared to be soaking wet, um, and appeared to have some f- sort of uh, lake vegetation in its in its hair. Um, but nonetheless, basically was describing a Bigfoot. Um, the town, somebody in the town announced, uh, I think it was a liquor uh, distributor, announced a $1,000 bounty on it, and the town was inundated with cars and trucks full of people with baseball bats, shotguns, you know, mosquito nets, anything that they could try to capture this thing um, to the point where the police made them take the bounty down because it was creating so much havoc in the town. Um, The brewery that I'm hosting Bigfoot and Brews at is literally about a mile and a half away from the very first sighting of this creature. And later on that year, in 19 or I'm sorry, later on that, uh, next year in the early months of 1965 in Monroe, Michigan, which is directly East on the East side of the state, almost in a straight line from the Dwajak area. There was a report that came out that was the Monroe monster, basically exactly the same report. Um, actually, reached in a car, a moving car, and actually caused some um, damage to a young girl's face, um, leaving her with a black eye. And But, I mean, so in my episode two and three, I interviewed a gentleman who hunts a piece of property that is east of Dwajak, about, as the crow flies, probably a 30-minute drive had one walk out to in front of him on opening day about nine years ago. Um, So I start putting these things together in my head and I'm like, okay, you had 1964, you headed over into Wajek. And then, you know, eight years, nine years ago, I got a guy who has one experience with one, you know, directly East of that. And then in 1965, there's another one, you know, in East of that, And I'm starting to think to myself, it's like, okay, so is there a corridor? (laughs) Is there a corridor that they're using my mind? Yeah. That, you know, that these things are, are, are traveling. Um, And here we go. You post a a Instagram picture of the state of Michigan with what you call the byways. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're here to talk about. So from here on out, man, this is your show. So let's do your thing. Bigfoot byways. Yes. So I will, um, before we dive into the map, I will explain what we're talking about. So the viewers are and listeners are prepped and I'll do my best to, um, for folks that are going to listen on the podcast without being able to see the map while we're going through things, I'll be, um, 
as descriptive as possible because uh, I want I want them to get just as much out of it um, as anybody watching. So, and, and let me jump in here real quick and say that for the listeners on the audio end of things, I am going to post this video interview on YouTube. So you will be able if you if you if you really want to see the uh, the screen shares from Scott, it's going to be in the video and and that episode will be uploaded onto YouTube. Yeah, this is a bit different than some of the interviews I've done. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, this is kind of more, more, uh, what's the word? Um, like I said before, like a workshop where we're actually going to do some analysis live. Um, and the first place I kind of want to go look is uh, the lake, like you were saying. I really do want to look in that area. I think since you told that story, we can uh, maybe start there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll describe the map first. And what we're going to see is um, these uh, uh, habitat cores, they're called. And uh, the way they're displayed on the map is called habitat cores by betweenness. So as opposed to just big green areas that uh, facilitate wildlife, these are going to look like um, funnels or pipelines because they're, they're symbolized and uh, displayed based on their betweenness relationship to each other. So you're going to see different values, um, darker with a higher value, which is a better, a higher betweenness score, um, than the lighter area. So that's going to be the area that's going to funnel the most wildlife basically is what we're going to see. The darkest area equals the highest value funnel. The most wildlife is what, uh, the greenest area is what we're going to look at. And it's literally, when I say the greenest area, it's literally the greenest area um, with the highest green infrastructure value, right? So that's that's what uh, this data set is m- meant for. It's, it's meant to help developers maintain and have the least impact on the environment. So as we put a lot of time and money into this, and the study, I think, is it's a great study and data set in general. But what I've done is taken uh, taken it a little out of context. I don't think they ever thought when they made this <laughs> data set that people would use somebody would pick it up and use it to identify uh, pathways and corridors that Bigfoot uses to travel. Right. But when I saw it, I instantly went to one of the the main features of the data set, which I think is the most useful is. Um, something called a least cost pathway or like a, a connector. And what those are, are the corridors that have the least resistance for them, for wildlife between these wild, uh, these, uh, these hubs, these environmental hubs. So that is how wildlife travels and why that's important to green infrastructure is you don't want to disrupt that, right? So when you're building roads and things like that, developers will look at Okay, where's the most wildlife traveling? What's the heaviest area? How can we, we responsibly develop and maybe make a land bridge or um, not put a six lane highway there or anything like that or build a big office, you know, develop a big uh, a commercial area, things like that. So that hopefully looking forward, we can live in balance with wildlife and human progress, which I believe in both. We need to, we, we can responsibly do that. We have the technology and information to be able to do that. So right. uh, with that qualifier. Be- before so you bring up that map, um, you're talking a lot of sciencey stuff. Oh, and, I apologize. And pe- 
No, no, no. That's that's fine. But people might be wondering, how the hell do you know all this stuff? So if you can, give them a real quick refresher on what you do for your day job. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, so uh, my background, I have a degree in GIS from uh, State University of New York at Cortland. I'm sure they also have never been shouted out in a Bigfoot podcast, which is uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be the first, hopefully. Um and with that, uh, what I what I got into uh, right out of school uh, was geophysical exploration. So seismic exploration, doing um, field testing, finding and analyzing uh, the geology of the earth for oil and gas development, fault analysis, uh, all different types of um, salt domes, uh, carbon capture, you name it. And um, what I do now is data management for a geophysical company uh, for my day job. The Bigfoot Mapping Project, regrettably, is not getting 100% of my time, um, especially with a baby on the way. I've got to pay the bills. So uh, I do geophysical work, and I love it. But um, the the passion I carry for the Bigfoot Mapping Project is uh, what I apply a lot of my creative energy to and uh really find all these data sets and and to your question or to to your point what i try to do is take information that people might not even know exists or how to digest it how to access it might not have the software to to do anything with it and put it in front of people in a way that is uh that communicates something rather than just dumping all this scientific stuff kind of like i was before maybe a little verbal uh diarrhea there you know where i was just rattling off all these terms i'm glad you stopped me um <laughs> what i'm trying to do no, is... I, I just i just wanted people to understand that what you were speaking on is stuff that you were very well versed in yeah i've because, been doing this because for you're 15 years because your degrees and your 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 life experience your work life experience it, it all encompasses the tools that you're using to do this. So this isn't just you going and, and making a copy of the, the BFRO's website, only you're pinning it on a map. This is, this is way more than that. I appreciate you highlighting that. Um, and, and, and bringing me back down to the ground for a second. So I remember to explain things. Uh, I, you're right. I, I, um, have been doing this for a very long time and that's one of my motivations is to to share the way that I look at things and start to understand. I think GIS is a great way to understand the world in general. Uh, you use GIS every day, whether you know it or not. I mean, um, DoorDash is GIS. Them, those guys knowing the route to get to your house. I mean, think about it. They're tying your order to a restaurant to what location they need to bring your order to. That is GIS. Um, Emergency services is GIS, farming, forestry, you name it. You probably touch GIS in, in, in so many different ways throughout, even logistics. How did your groceries get to the grocery store? GIS. So it's a lot of different um, things that, that people might not even realize what, what framework is behind that. And it's all GIS. It's, um, it's a really great field. Uh, and I think it can getting back to Bigfoot, I think it can help us discover new ways to look at things. So through the project, I really, really, really hope to show that to people um, in, in a way that is entertaining, interesting, informative, 
and um, constructive, right? I, I want people to be able to take this information, use it, and feel like they're along on the adventure with me. And when I come up with new new maps, for example, the, the that's me having a new thought and putting it into an Instagram post and putting it out to share with everyone. So they don't always happen uh, as frequently as I'd like, but I won't put something out just as filler either. I want, it's very important to me for, uh, for what I publish, what I put out there to be quality and useful. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about the background of the project and, and why, uh, why hopefully it's useful for everyone. And, and, and again, uh, I'll add to that. If anybody has any feedback, uh, there's a, there's a link on the website. They can message me on Instagram, anything like that. I'll do my best to get back to everyone. And, um, I'm always open for, uh, ideas, feedback, you name it. I won't, you, I'm from New York. You're not going to offend me. So, uh, I've got a thick skin and, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I'm grateful to be on the, uh, on the adventure and hopefully we get there and we find Bigfoot through the project or through something, um, something that I put out there. I hope it helps in the least, you know, I hope it's just part of it. So a dollar 99 folks, dollar 99 for this app and help, help keep this guy doing what he's doing. Because I honestly, <laughs> I honestly think that he is on a, a current path that is going to open our eyes to, to some things that when we hear these different, accounts, these, these reports by people, you know, if you listen to Sasquatch Chronicles or you listen to any of the other Bigfoot shows that are out there and you're hearing about these experiences that are taking place in, you know, whether it be Utah or Oregon or Northern California or Midwest in the, in Michigan or over in Ohio, it's going to let you be able to understand how that's possible. You know, because for, for the longest time, people thought Bigfoot was, a, you know, if it was real, it was it was a West Coast problem, you know. Oh, um, to the contrary, it, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 all over the place. So I'm going to shut up. Go get that <laughs> app. It's a buck ninety nine. It's going to be the best buck ninety nine app you ever paid for. Um, help keep this guy doing what he's doing. I'm going to shut up now, and we're going to share the screen, and you're going to get into your stuff. Oh, we're going on this adventure together, Eric. So um, I'm going to do my best Bob Ross and paint the picture of a map <laughs> here. This is a first for me. So uh, please be be kind. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to dive into a map. This is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oop, there we go. OK, can you see uh, I'm going to move you over into another screen here. We've got infinite screens. Oh, no. All right. There we go. All right. So can you see everything okay? Is it coming yep. through? Excellent. Looks so good. all right. So from the top, what we've got is uh we're gonna start with the the software that we're in. It's called ArcMap, and it's made by Esri, the Environmental Science Research Institute. And they're a private company that has all of uh the GIF GIS offerings that you can imagine, right? They're in every industry. And uh, from military all the way down to education, municipalities, uh, the corporate world, and, and, and myself uh, at the bottom of the list there. So what we're looking at in the map is 
all the stuff that we can analyze and take um, uh, and derive conclusions from. So we've got a lot of environmental data from the, again, the green infrastructure data set that Esri put out there, but added to that map, we've got our, our layers here on the side and just like a pizza, uh, everything on top is exactly how you need to think of these layers. The way they're ordered is the way they're going to be drawn on the map. I always I say that to my coworkers, anybody that asks me to make a map and ask me specific things to have on it, um, I say, think of it like a pizza and tell me the toppings you want. And whatever you list first is what you're going to see. So it draws that way on the map. And uh, what we got is the Bigfoot uh, uh, trail locations. And these are trail heads that I put on there with Bigfoot uh, sightings within, I think it was like a, a three-mile radius. Um, then we've got the actual Michigan Bigfoot sightings here in orange. It might be hard to see uh, until we zoom in. Uh, I've included hiking trails so we can see an additional corridor and maybe see where some of these sightings um, start to make sense when you put environmental data into context. And then we've got the coolest part of the map tonight that I, I can't wait to focus on. And that is the uh, least cost pathway connectors. And this is what these are, are, are segments from the entire network of connectors between all the wildlife hubs. But the distinction is that these, these connectors are within a quarter mile of a, of a Bigfoot report from our database. What that means is to me that these are the, this is the network work in red on the map that Bigfoot but most likely travels throughout the state of Michigan. And um, at this extent, the points draw a lot larger. So they cover up a lot of these trails. But when I turn off the points, you'll see here when it decides to redraw in a second. Uh, and there's a lot of data here, so it's going to take a second. But while it's redrawing, what you're going to see now are all the red areas on the map. When you you zoom in, those are actual corridors that um, that Bigfoot could theoretically travel. So how I would use that in the field, if I were, let's, uh, uh, Eric, where can you help me direct me to just about where I need to zoom in for Lake, uh, Lake uh, Monster? Okay, so if you would go down into the lower left quadrant, um, mm -hmm. maybe an uh, inch in and an inch up from the, the border. Inch in, inch about, up, like right here? There. A little more in. Um, it should be in that box, sir. Um, I'll tell you what, here's what we can do. I'll turn off the habitat corridors by between this. And I will add a nice base map. <clears throat> so we can actually see what we're talking about here. A tumble map will do. At this extent, it should draw pretty quick. So. That way we can um, have a little context with where we're, where we're working through here. Okay. This is all the kind of stuff that actually, I mean, it's kind of fun. It's like we're working on a project together to find uh, <laughs> Bigfoot corridors. I like this a lot. Absolutely. That's cool. So it does take a second to draw. Um, and you can see when little globe is being down here is drawing. So, um, and if it doesn't, there we go. So, Okay, so we're looking for Dewajack, Michigan. Dewajack. Hmm, let's see. Any, there's Kalamazoo. 
Um, south, go south. Um, a little bit more to your left. Here it is. To logic. Perfect. Okay, so this will so, zoom in. And... Yep. There's uh Okay, so you see those lakes up there uh, that are all intertwined in your orange lines there? Yes. Those those should be the sister lakes. Excellent. I'm going to turn on the Bigfoot sightings again. I had those turned off um, just to show the red. But now we're going to start to see in a second when I refresh the map just what the sighting situation looks like around on these lakes. If it decides to cooperate. And with my luck, just because we're recording, it's going to freeze or something. But there we go. I just need to move the map. So here you can see, I'll highlight them so you can actually see them pretty well. The Bigfoot sightings will now turn a nice shade of uh, bright blue. So there's one, two, three. Uh, um, in between the sister lakes there, and there's a nice network of where they likely traveled. And you can kind of see it's pretty interesting. They can make a whole loop here. He could have, Bigfoot could have come right down this trail or this way or up and around. That gives an idea of the con, like what between the sightings looks like. Right. Now my guess is, <clears throat> my guess is that on your, on the regular app, if you were to select one of those three, probably the one closest to the lake, that would be a uh, a report from 1964, probably June 3rd, 1964. Um, I have the map ready, so let's see. I think the, if I remember, you said it was over here, and these are the settings, right? Dewajek. So which one um, were you looking at, Eric? Um, I would imagine any one of these. Probably the one closest to the lake. 64. 1964. That is the Dewey Lake Monster. Oh, and it doesn't want to go to the website, but that's Dewey Lake Monster. <laughs> yep. Right there. And also 64, June of 64. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I'll jump back into the map. And I don't know how if you want to see anything else about the Dewey Lake Monster, but if we go back out to the full extent, maybe we can look at some of the hot spots absolutely um, that we were talking about pre-show sure so one of the i, I find i find it I fascinating was... i find it fascinating that the you know i mean you came into this you created this map without knowing anything about the dewey lake monster or where it happened yet those no. those orange lines that we're looking at right now those are a result of what that's uh those are pulled out from the least cost pathway connectors entire data set over the state of Michigan. And those are the uh, wildlife corridors, including you know, people are going to say, oh, they go across the lake. But that is because it includes waterfowl and, and um, like any type of, any type of wildlife, otters, waterfowl, even deer swim across lakes. Um, so um, what those are is uh, those, that network, any of the, uh, segments that were within a quarter mile of any Bigfoot sighting. So these um, 
the way it draws a loop like that is because they're all this is this may be one segment here, right? This loop, and then yeah, it may shoot off. This may all be part of the same corridor. So if it was part of the same, I didn't cut it. Uh, if it was part of, if it was all one feature, I extracted the whole feature where the line started and where the line stopped, no matter which way it twisted and turned. Because to me, it's important to show the full context of where that entire corridor connects to. Because logically, what I what I want to display is what happens between these sightings. And if I clipped it to what I thought made sense, then we're not seeing the full picture of what is linked by the way that they've created these connectors. So that's what uh, I'm trying to display here. And, and I'm glad you asked that question because you might see this offshoot here and wonder like why why does this display since it's not intersecting a sighting and it's part of this entire feature that twists and turns through here and it may have the same resistance value um it may just continuously connect so i want people to be able to derive from looking at this the entire corridor uh that bigfoot may use to travel um, based on where it was actually observed, right? If which makes which sense. makes, I hope it, makes sense. Com- <laughs> it, it does. I mean, because basically, what it's showing is the most logical path of uh, of of continuity for wildlife to travel in that area in in being uh, in an area that they're going to be the safest. Um, not out in the open. And, you know, if something is seven to eight foot tall, anywhere from five to seven or 800 pounds, and it needs to eat, uh, protein to some extent to, to continue to survive, it would make sense that it would be traveling along the same corridor that most of the animals in that area are traveling. And that it, it's amazing to me that those, those three, sightings are literally fall on that line can't make it up right this is all this is just how the data lays and what 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 i'm able to extract um that's what it's important to communicate is that none of this is um this is all independently sourced from a third party and all this really uh, is intended to do is put more uh information at the fingertips and display Another way to look at things, like I was saying before. Yeah. So, uh, very cool. Very cool. This uh, this map doesn't want to cooperate with me at the moment. Let's see what's uh, going on here. It's, the software is freezing. I think this may be a result of using all the memory on my computer today. Yeah, that could be. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm going to restart this. I'm going to close out. Sure. Restart. Uh, restart the uh, the whole software here. Um, but. While we're talking, while we're waiting, I should say, um, I can talk more to, I guess, uh, some of the hot spots in, in Michigan while we're waiting on this. And what I've done is prepare uh, a few other maps. Um, let me find them on Canva here. I just took some screenshots. And um, put them into just a display here. So 
one of the things about Michigan that I focus on again is the map you talked about, Michigan Bigfoot Byways. But I've also uh, highlighted all the hiking trails where sightings occurred within one mile of a trail. And so that's where you see a yellow dot um, that has occurred in the UP up here, which mm -hmm. has got one of the biggest veins of green infrastructure running straight through the center of it and right down into uh, the mitten, as you guys like, as I've learned, everyone likes to say. Um, yeah. Into the, now, main the thing that strikes me, the, I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the thing that strikes me as being very odd about the the travel from the uh, the upper peninsula to the lower peninsula um, that's separated by the Mackinac Bridge. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering <laughs> how these things are migrating from the upper peninsula to the lower peninsula um you know it, it'd be a hell of a swim and you know i'm not trying to get anybody in a feathers in a in a tuft because i know that there are a lot of reports out there of these things swimming um, and we don't have any idea what their capabilities are as far as the length of time they could be in the water and and swim that's a that's a that's one of the largest uh Largest bridges in the U.S., um, mm -hmm. longest. Um, it, that's a, it'd be a hell of a swim. Um, you know, are, are they coming across at night? Are they migrating uh, across the, the underneath the, using the the structure of the bridge underneath? I have no idea. Um, well, what's, what's interesting about that is that is, and like you're saying, it's not just Bigfoot we're talking about here. That is a that's a documented wildlife corridor from yeah. the data set so that's a really good question are is other wildlife using that as well like what's how are they using it are they are they swimming does it have anything to do with the infrastructure maybe it provides them little checkpoints to get across and kind of hang on to each piling as they get across or who knows right i don't know it's, it's i don't know it's either very, it's very odd you know i mean Again, you know, not not just for Bigfoot, but um, yeah, any 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 of the any of the creatures native to the state of Michigan in the Upper Peninsula. Right. <laughs> we can zoom in a little further here once this is done drawing. But I agree. I think I think it's uh it's one of the more unexplainable pieces of the data set that I, without going there and understanding what's happening there are it raises more questions than answers right i imagine there's sure an yeah, at this point yes um, <clears throat> yeah that island off to the so, to the right hand side that's mackinac island um ah, okay. beautiful place if you uh, if you haven't been there uh i highly recommend going there there's no the only uh, the automotives right? yeah the only automotives on there are uh emergency vehicles so cool Actually, it's kinda on like, my list. Kind of like going back in time. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that's a great question. And sometimes that's that's what happens with the data set, too. It might raise more questions than answers, right? But that might spark somebody to go figure out what's happening. Um, right. So, I mean, I think it's a great thing. If, if, if you're critical of the data set and asking questions, 
not taking things at face value, even though it's part of a, a bigger study, that doesn't mean it's perfect, right? I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I think that's great that you touched on that because this, this is a very interesting uh, scenario that we're looking at on the map. You know, you've got a corridor. Like I said, there's waterfowl included in wildlife, right? So um, that may be one of the things that you're, you're seeing a byproduct of in the data set. It's all wildlife, also including, um, you know, marine wildlife. So that might be um, maybe a little misleading or not quite correct. But I will point out, uh, if we look at this and try to understand the context further, which I think this is great that we're going through maps like this, because they don't just give you all the answers. They also provide a way to analyze things. So if we look in further detail, the sighting is onshore, and there are other corridors that are likely part of the same corridor here. That's just probably part of the same line. So it, I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that Bigfoot swam across or walked across the bridge, right. but that corridor is linked to another one uh, just in terms of the GIS feature itself, just the way the line was drawn and created. So um, you have to also, like I was saying, under, take context <laughs> into what's going on in the map as well. And this is a great example. I mean, we can we can say, all right, there's this sighting is on shore. Let's focus more on what's going on down here because I don't need to don my snorkel and go look for Bigfoot out in the lake. You know what I mean? So, right. um, no, I think that's a great observation and I, I'm glad you uh, brought it up because, you know, I've had a few people ask that, like, I see Bigfoot's out in the, in the Bay in San Diego. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of reasons those points show up uh, in, in obscure places as well. People's phones might be inaccurate. Um, the way they submit it, they might, it, this is a great thing about maps um, to, to speak about where if you're zoomed out, your ac- accuracy only increases when, when you zoom in, right? The scale at this extent is a large scale. So when you click over here and you might think you'll be, cl- you'll be clicking on the land, you, you could be off by hundreds of feet, if not thousands mm-hmm. of feet, because you're at such a far extent. But when you zoom in and the scale up here, right now we're at one unit equals 3,800,000 units, which is basically one inch equals 3.8 million inches um, to to put it into terms. So when you zoom in, I'll zoom in on one of the hotspots so we can kind of figure out where we're going to go look for Bigfoot together. Um, Up here, when you zoom in, you'll notice that now this scale is a lot smaller and the further you zoom in, the, the less, the more one-to-one it becomes one inch equals one inch or one foot right. equals one foot. Um, so keep that in mind when you're looking at maps or looking at the website, because you can certainly pull different conclusions out. I'll pull up the big map um, that uh, the website map, the pro- actual project map here to make this point, And then we'll get back to the, to the software. But when you get to this full extent here, it must be my computer's being slow, not cooperating. Don't embarrass me, HP. Come on. <laughs> um, when you look at this extent, 
you you can might you might really draw different conclusions about what's going on in different areas when you look because things look so much closer together and that has a lot to do with the way symbology draws the way distance is preserved in the map and things like that so um just a, just a sidebar on how to to really understand maps and why the extent is very important when you're trying to digest what you're what you're looking at and understanding the scale is very very important on a map so a professorial moment i apologize so no you're fine so like um out there by the island you had that one uh you had that one orange uh line that was going out towards the island there yeah um yeah that that could be just the result of somebody submitting a sighting via your website and having not scrolled in close enough on the map and just that that could be one of the scenarios that red line that goes out into the the lake though is actually not part of the database it's part of the infrastructure data that was published by esri so um oh, okay i say i think most likely that has something to do with uh marine wildlife is the most logical explanation that i can think of um because there might be uh like bridge development or you never know what they're what they're going to do um, development wise. So I think they just included in the study even water bodies um, that where where they had uh, values for wildlife wildlife yeah. traveling. All right, let's hit some uh, let's hit some hot spots. Yeah. So here I'm going to turn off this um, this habitat by between this importance, and I'm going to turn back on the topo map here. So we know what we're looking at, and this messed me up last time. So this might be just one hot spot we get to, but I'm gonna let that draw. And um, what this is gonna show is, uh, you know, I've got the hiking trails on there. The, uh, the the topo map will show elevation. It will show culture. So is it a state park that we're looking at? Is it a forested area? Is it a wetland? All those types of things um, we can derive from the topo map. And if the map wants to cooperate, there we go. Um, now, now we can start to see the full context of what's happening here in between sightings. So we have a whole network of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sightings. And then one down here in the map uh, that maybe we won't focus on in a little bit. Um, but they're all centering around the state park here. Um, which I'll zoom in a little further so we can start to really understand. And this is a fun part because this is like e-scouting. How are we going to go find where we want to do our study? Yeah. Um, and uh, clearly my next thing on the list for Bigfoot Mapping Project is a, a faster computer. So please go out, <laughs> buy the app, <laughs> email me if you feel like making it. <laughs> give, give them that email address and your yeah, paypal real. and your venmo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's my paypal here's my venmo i take zell uh, yeah, um <laughs> you know back in uh early december um i decided it was time uh, i needed I needed something more than my hand-me-down laptop that I got back from my daughter after she gra graduated college. And yeah. uh, I found a friend of my son who is very good with computers. He built me a screaming machine for under 600 bucks. 
and uh it it is a it's a workhorse you did a great job parker uh parker hurley and you uh you did a great job this is a this is a firehouse so so i definitely i definitely feel the pain (laughs) i was running yeah it's like okay and this data is very very heavy right it's a arc map it's a believe it or not this is 32-bit software so it doesn't it's a 64-bit machine but it's 32-bit software so it just is slow um they do have a new software out called rtis pro which i the price tag on it reflects that it's professional for sure so i'm still operating with a um you know uh the what will get me by and i'm not going to complain about that ever uh, yeah <laughs> i do enjoy the software I've, I've used it for a very long time i mean it is great but it is there are you know some downsides to uh, older older software so but um now that we've got it zoomed in and we've, we've had a nice sidebar and hopefully my fundraiser went well <laughs> i'll let you know after the episode um we've got the craig lake state park and i i'm not familiar with michigan at all so perhaps you know about the ottawa national forest and the the craig lake state park um i know the i know the ottawa forest but i'm not familiar with the uh, state park okay um it looks like to me just from where i was zooming in at the map at a glance we've got a great network here um where it's connecting two hubs clearly and we've also got a hiking uh a hiking trail that also links all the way over to the other uh to the other settings we saw that were on the shore or the lake there yeah. as well so I mean, this is a great example of how, how putting everything into context can help you link the area between in sightings where if you didn't have this on map here you might not be aware that this hiking trail network exists and you might not be able to find a logical way to connect the coast here this network of sightings how does they put it all the way over well there's a trail right here linking and look at this you know he's been sighted here and then in the forest and completely right along that trailway pretty much so yeah i think just one example of how gis can put a lot of different information into into context for sure um i'll revert back to you uh, eric and see if there's any are there any other areas that you would like to look at um uh you know for my for myself um about mid lower peninsula um <clears throat> around the manistee here on manistee national forest um okay like i said before uh 10 minutes before we went on air um a gentleman outside my house working on another house said 1972 he saw one in the huron manistee national forest we talked about my son he was on uh, one of my episodes he was staying uh, the weekend in the huron manistee uh, near tippy dam and <clears throat> sure as shit they had ice shine outside their front uh, their front door um you know i personally three years ago did a kayak trip down the river in the huron manistee and uh, that night it was it was a night from hell because my all of my amazon bought equipment failed miserably uh <laughs> and uh but while we were sitting at the fire we heard uh three owls and there was something unremarkable about 
the sound of the owls. That was it was kind of a like almost imitation of it. Yeah, it, it very much sounded like somebody imitating. But there was one directly across the river from where we were at. There was one that responded that was quite a ways off behind us. And then one that was up ahead of us. And it went mm. in the same uh, the same pattern. The one across, the one behind, the one in front. Mm-hmm. It continued to do that multiple times. And all three of us sitting at the fire, it was like, that doesn't sound like, it sounds like something sounding like an owl. <laughs> um, right. And then, you know, weird. that that stopped. Uh, but there were three of us sitting at the fire. Okay. Mm. So imagine it's night, you have a fire burning, and you have three silhouettes sitting at the fire. And we hear three owls. All right. And then one guy, mm-hmm. he got he got pissed drunk and went and he decided <laughs> to go get, get in his hammock. And uh, then there were uh-huh. just two of us. And shortly after that, after the third guy had went to lay down, then we started hearing wood knocks, but it was two wood knocks. You heard whack, whack. And then a little while later, you heard whack, whack. And I started thinking to myself, it's like, you know, everybody's always trying to figure out what are these, you know, how, what are they communicating? How are they communicating? What's making these noises? And I'm like, I started thinking, it's like, Oh shit. Are they counting? Because when there were three of us at the fire, we had three owl noises. And now there's only two of us, and we're hearing two wood knocks. You know? So they're and letting maybe each other know. I, I have no idea, but it, you know, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, how many, how many are in the area? You know, how many are we seeing? I, who knows? Right. Um, but later that night, after we let the fire burn down, we went to... Uh, the other two of us, we went to get in our hammocks and, uh, you know, I fell, I fell out of my hammock, tore the mosquito netting out of it. It was, <laughs> it was a horrible, horrible night. Um, but as I'm laying there trying to, and it was, it got so cold that night, it wasn't supposed to get that cold. And I underpacked. Um, I literally right. had pairs of socks on my hands and I had a gator pulled up over my face and I even put my damn sunglasses on to keep my eyeballs from getting too cold. Uh, I've been <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was ridiculous. But, but as I was laying there, you know, wishing for death, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the river's running and it's, and it's fairly high. You can hear the water running. Mm-hmm. And then I start hearing splashes. Only, only these were the type of splash that sounds like something going bloop, bloop, you know, like it was a, like a large something or other. Now I've heard fish jump in the water plenty of times while I'm fishing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It didn't sound, it didn't sound like fish breaching the water, getting bugs off the top of the water. Um, I don't think there was, you know. Uh, a school of mink that decided to go diving. Right. Um, but I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing splashes in the water all, as if large rocks were being thrown into the river. And, you know, I mean, basically I stayed up until uh, the light of day started to crack through the, 
the clouds. And then I was able to get about 45 minutes to an hour of sleep. But I was, I was completely um, unnerved th- that entire evening. I, I could, <laughs> I mean, you probably felt surrounded and observed and there was a point there was a point where uh the the mountain uh i forget the brand name of the the reconstituted mountain food mountain oh. what, what mountain oh, house, yeah. house or whatever it is the food uh mm-hmm. it was it was wanting to uh it was wanting to evacuate and i was like <laughs> there is yeah. no way in hell I am going to go out and dig a hole, you know, 25 (laughs) yards from camp and have this family of Bigfoot sitting there laughing at me while I'm leaned up against a tree. Wasn't going to happen. So I can't say as I blame you. Uh, Yeah, that'd be quite a bit unnerving. Golly. (laughs) But Um, like I said, my son had an experience there. I've had an experience there. The gentleman outside my house today had experience there. And, you know, there's a number of sightings right in that area. That's, I mean, that's, I, you can't make that up. I mean, running into the guy that was like, I had a sighting. And then it corresponds right to uh, the, the network, the, the area that your son had the sighting, like you're saying, it's just insane. Yeah. Um, do you know where that was or do you want to look at where that was? Uh, uh, it was in the here in Manistee National Forest. It was near Tippy Dam. Oh, I see it. Like you were saying, towards the middle of the state up here. This is the Tippy Dam right here. Okay. So we can zoom in there. Voila. Come on. Of course, it doesn't want to cooperate. Golly, it's giving me a hard time. I think it's maybe because I'm sharing my screen and going through everything. Probably, yeah. But eh, this extent might just be just as good now. We kind of know the, the the area. But Tippy Dam is pretty much right where this sighting was here. Yep. Um, and then you've got a whole network. So here, here, you have a whole hotspot. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, that's within a reasonable radius of each other. All connected by the national forest, the roads, the hiking trails, and the corridors. Yep. Very interesting. And really, it, the river. It, 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 it's it's really kind of. Um, I, I don't know. The surreal is the right word to use. It, it's. Um, it's funny that it's there's a confirmation that I'm seeing by this map. You know, what are the odds that a bunch of people who have decided to report seeing Bigfoot um, mm-hmm. and are making it up would would decide to make these reports that actually fall within the data points that, that show right. That's- there's, li- there's liter- literally a good reason for it to be there. That's one of my favorite things about this data set is that the, the corridors are almost, I would say, 95%, 98, 
percent accurate as far as it's definitive the wildlife travels there and, and who these things were you know reported from an app probably you know zooming on the map and put the point right where they had the sighting nobody aside from now if they're you know after they watch this show had any idea where these corridors exist and i have not shared the full the full data set of the entire network all i've highlighted and shared publicly is the um, the red corridors that intersect um or have a, a bigfoot sighting nearby mm-hmm. nobody else knows where this network is right so to see these orange dots correspond almost every single one on hits a connector right yeah it is uncanny to see that to me that is a confirmation that bigfoot is traveling where other wildlife travel it's a confirmation just like you're saying there's no doubt perfect sense yeah it makes perfect sense and when you look even even further outside the national forest everywhere you see a sighting it pretty much hits or is within a quarter mile of of a least cost pathway which means yeah that's the most logical place wildlife is going to be and going to be traveling. You do see, I will point out the one anomaly in the map because I know you're going to have a viewer that's like, yeah, but there's a red, there's an orange dot with nothing near it. And, um, you know, that's, that could go down a lot of ways. Did somebody really see something? Um, if it's smart, it doesn't always have to follow uh, a wildlife corridor. But I think looking at this map, almost 100% of them, Save for the one in the map right now is within a quarter mile of a least cost pathway. I think that's yeah, that's, really really informative. I mean, for me, and you know, I'm I'm a I'm a believer in these things. I'm I'm firmly rooted in the fact that they do exist, um, and that that there's nothing unnatural about the idea that they would exist. I mean, to me, it makes perfect sense that, that they they're there. Um, now, if you, if you scroll directly across the state to the east, staying, staying right in the same part of the state, but go due east. It's actually cooperating with me. I shouldn't have pointed that out because now I'm going to jinx myself. You're going, you're going, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to see another additional cluster of those orange, orange lines because on that side of the state, the Huron National Forest has a ton of sightings that is, as well. Ah, so maybe I should zoom out if it wants to cooperate. Or not. I'll tell you what. For ease of illustration, I'm going to pull up the website. So here, you're referring to the Huron National Forest up here we were up here right now you're referring to here yeah and look at all those sightings there right a ton a ton i mean i mean just a snapshot um i don't think it's coincidence that national forests have tons of sightings and and at a glance you can actually see i think this is a um glad we're looking at this because i can fit the whole thing in the map in the screen, this is actually the the web application I was talking about earlier. Um, but what it shows you is um, 
a good way to understand what's going on the map, the historical sightings are color coded. So you can see a sighting. So this is an actual visible sighting, the yellow mm -hmm. Bigfoot's in the map. An audible, which would be maybe a wood knock or a howl, would be um, the speaker symbol here, right? Like an audio. Track sign, footprint. So, uh, and then there's maybe it just isn't a defined type. Somebody didn't fill it out or the sighting information I had wasn't um, wasn't clear, right? So yeah. if I want one of the things that I personally look for and I've filtered out before is all the track sign. To me, that is a direct link to the creature itself. So I've actually made for myself maps where I've just looked at where are the footprints, right? Because that, to me, is the creature left something behind. So if you just look at the right. blue points in the map, now you can see, even if you disregard anything else, you can see Bigfoot was here, here, here in the center, here in the National Forest, here in this hot spot, here. Look at this. There's a bunch of footprints in Manistee, like you were saying, right? Yeah. So it gives you a little bit at a glance what's happening here. And this makes sense because it's, wow, I kind of want to go check this area out after zooming in. Um, this looks pretty interesting. Footprints and audibles all in this whole area. Um, right off the little manistee. I bet you there's a lot of salmon and trout running through that river. Is that right? Uh, I would um, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. On a yeah. pretty regular so, basis. Yeah. I, this is one of the places I would go right here. The, uh, just cause there's such a concentration of footprints. Um, that's, I mean, just looking at that on the map, that's definitely where I would go. One of the first places I would, I would want to put on my, um, on my checklist for looking, looking for Bigfoot in Michigan, for sure. You know, and I've, yeah. I've made, I've made friends with uh, several investigators, researchers, if you want to call them that, in in the state of Michigan, and you know, if you if you go back in right in between the uh, Huron Manistee and the Huron Forest. Uh, you're going to see two lakes, Higgins Lake and Houghton Lake. Mm -hmm. um, and those are both um, pretty well scouted by these these Michigan researchers. And if you look, there's there's a number of sightings there as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to switch base, base maps because I'm not familiar with this area. I want to see what it looks like. Um, and I'm going to, I might debut one of the coolest features about Bigfoot map that I think people might miss. I don't know if you've seen it either, Eric, but we have 3D. Um, oh, no kidding. Yep. So it'll zoom. Oh, right it in. is down there. I did not know that. Yeah. So it'll zoom right to where you are in the 2D map. They talk to each other and all the points. You just right click and tilt. And now you're in the map in three dimensions. So it's great for areas where there's mountains. You can see. Um, the view shed you can see areas zoom in and out and really get it a lay of the land look at all this look at the different view you get um yeah. in the 3d as well so and all those colored dots are are sightings that's right so that's, kind of it's crazy kind of, when you look that's at, a that's a different perspective when you're looking at it you know for kind of from a, a south to north aspect Right. And you can rotate I, and start you know, to I mean, look around. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. It, it almost puts you 
it's just such a different way of looking at it. 2D it doesn't really always give you the best perspective, right? So it, this shows you all the way to the horizon, um, you know, what Bigfoot's got going on, what, what's happening in the area. And when you start to look at it this way, it looks so much more uh, in a different context or just looking at things literally from a different angle yeah. can change your whole perspective, uh, pun intended, on what's happening because look you can now i'm saying i'm thinking okay look at what's happening this is such a dense area of sightings that's crazy because when you know when you look at a map from top looking down you know like when you're like this here look yeah um you know i mean yeah michigan's got a lot of sightings and you know they're kind of piled on top of each other in some areas and stuff like that but when you when you go to that three-dimensional map and you look at it from the perspective of, say, being in a specific county and looking out across the uh, the surrounding counties and, um, you know, what's north of you, what's south of you, that that's a little more stunning, to be honest with you, than looking at the regular map. I agree. That's why I added it. And I don't think pe- enough people use it um, or even maybe know about it. But you can so if you right click and you want to look from this this point and i just want to zoom around i can start to get you know a different understanding of what's going on in that whole area the 360 um just by you know scrolling around and then if i want to get back to true north i can just click this here and it'll it'll bring you right back around so sound effects included um But yeah, there's a lot of hidden little tools in um, in the Bigfoot Mapping Project uh, web app here that um, I think you know people might not be aware of um, and they might not take advantage of. But yeah, do, there's a lot. Do me going a favor. On. Do me a favor. Let's go to the Yankee Springs area. Yankee Springs. Okay, I'm going to search for that. Yankee Springs. That's it. Townships. Yep. All right. We're on our way to Yankee Springs. Okay. Let me zoom out a little. There we go. It's kind of an island of. I was like, are there sight? Are they going to (laughs) draw? So. I was made privy to some recordings of suspected Sasquatch mm-hmm. in and around the area of, of Yankee Springs. They would not be specific as to the area. All they said it was in and around, in or around okay. Yankee Springs. Okay. So judging from this map, I would suggest that the area that they were talking about was south of Yankee Springs. Um, I wish that I had permission to add that uh, audio to my show. Oh, um, yeah. I've, That'd I've, be so cool. I've asked. Um, the gentleman that provided me with it was allowed to share it with me, but I was mm-hmm. not allowed to make it public. And I will tell you this, if you have listened to Ron Moorhead's Sierra Sounds, mm-hmm. the, the audio that was captured in this location 
is every bit as good, if not slightly better, really? just as in just as intense. And the God. samurai, the samurai chatter that uh, um, Matt Moneymaker had coined the phrase um, is very, very evident, uh, as well as wood knocks, um, rock clacking. But the chatter that goes on in this area was astounding. So I really? would, again, I wish like hell I could uh, get permission to, to air it. <laughs> but it it was it, it literally is like if you got bonus footage from the Sierra Sounds on a DVD really? that wasn't released anyplace else. And it I was, was just listening. Yeah, it was I, that good. I was just listening to Cliff and Bobo today at work. And Cliff was talking about um, the Sierra sounds, as a matter of fact. And he was like, you know, as far as he understands, that was the only recording that sounded like that, where Bigfoot are stringing essentially different sounds together to communicate things like words, etc. Yeah. And he was like, he, (laughs) ah, that's such a weird, like you were saying, speaking of synchronicities, that that had, I had been listening to that and he was, imploring people in the podcast he was like i wish i could hear another example of it man i hope you get one day get the permission to to uh air that people are are probably uh thirsty for that kind of that oh, kind I'm of sure they, information they, and it would it would be nuts yeah oh um, man I you know I, and I, i've got the audio sitting on my computer and and no. I, you know, I, I, I just i can't do anything with it uh well, which I, wish I applaud I your integrity. I really do because that takes some uh, a lot of self control, I'd imagine. Um, but you know, that's just I'm jealous. I hope one day <laughs> you get the permission to share that because I'd love to hear it. I'm I actually I pulled up the one more. Um, I'm just making sure I can get to where I want to get down here. That okay? I see that we're talking about this area right here. So I'm actually going to pull up the network uh, while we're talking and, and look at the, the uh, um, Yankee Springs area, the foot network. So this would be, it's just south of, let me get back to the map here, Yankee Springs. I want to make sure I'm telling you right. Yankee Springs. I'm out here. Okay. So Yankee Springs is, this is, that looks like Yankee Springs right, right about there. So that would be the whole network. Which jives, that. which jives perfectly with <laughs> yeah that's very interesting i'm zooming in now yeah that is quite i'm just making sure i'm in the right area let me get the coordinates here breaks me as being um, the coordinates and put it right on the map Just so we can see it here. 
point on the map, x, y. In what you were doing in this, anybody who uses your your desktop or your um, your mobile app can do very similar things on their own. Absolutely, right? absolutely, yes. So you can, like, for example, I'll actually do that in the in the map here. Let's see, I got the coordinates. You, I like, I just searched before for Yankee Springs. Um. So it, it's actually a little bit more user-friendly. It's a lot simpler, a lot faster than the software I use. Um, it's not nearly as memory-heavy and not a memory hog at all. But yeah, you can plug in coordinates here. Uh, you can use your current location in the map. Uh, you can zoom into a coordinate right there. Um, so absolutely, yes. Um, those are the coordinates I just plugged in. Uh, and I just Googled that. What's the coordinates for Yankee Springs Township? And it brought me right there. So, yeah, th this is meant to be... Oh, you can't do everything we're doing in, in this software here because this is a desktop right. software. Um, but, yes, you can do most. And we were looking over here. So there's Yankee Springs Township. I'm going to flash it on the screen one more time. So, yeah, there's an interesting network uh, and the hiking trail as well. But these are audibles. Um, I don't have them symbolized as audibles in the map, this particular map. But um, Yankee Springs was down here, and we've got a couple audibles. One, two, and then on this map as well, we've got, you know, this would be an audible and this would be an audible. So, yeah, I think now I want go Yankee Spring and hear something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this map can be used. And like you like you pointed out, anybody can go to the um yeah, I'll just show you how to get there. Um www.bigfootmap.com and just click the logo. And uh, I made it real easy to get a hold of me. You can submit a report here and you can also contact me. Um, if you like to leave any, uh, any feedback, it'll bring you to, um, a link and it'll ask you how you want to, how you want to email me. And if you submit a report, it'll bring you right to the form. Um, this is the standard form I use here to get a, a sighting into the map. You can attach pictures, video, you can describe your encounter list your website and you have plenty, you have 5,000 characters to describe what you saw. Um, I do require an email um, and a disclaimer, but I don't publicize anyone's email or anything like that. And the disclaimer is basically, you know, don't put anything up there that you shouldn't be, please. I'm, I don't want to have to deal with it, but if you do, I've got your email at least and I'll report it if I have to. I don't want to though. So. <laughs> and going going back to our first conversation back when we and that was actually February of 2022, mm -hmm. so wow. it's it's been about a year and a half almost um, since we did our first episode. Um, we had a conversation as far as there was some <clears throat> there was intentional latency 
on your part as far as the um, adding a report to the map because we are both in the camp of being no kill um, as far as these creatures are concerned. And we didn't want, or you didn't want anybody to be able to use this application to get boots on the ground uh, any quicker than they needed to uh, after a fresh sighting. And I think that's a, I think that's something that's worth noting. Um, I know at one point uh, with a, uh, someone I was associated with, a uh, very nice guy, but he, he was afraid that you were, uh, your information was going to be leading people to I remember that to the point of where somebody would be able to get boots on the ground rather quickly using the information from these sightings and then potentially um, kill one of these things. Um, so. I, I I think I think that intentional latency is uh, is is very well um, mm. placed in in this what you're doing. I don't understand what's happening here. It's uh there we go. It wasn't quite my my uh, my internet was not cooperating for a moment. I apologize for that. Oh, it's no problem. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm glad to hear people are concerned, but I hopefully mitigate that because that's the last thing I want to happen. I, I, I just talked about this the other day with, with um, the guys from A Flash of Beauty. I would like this information to be used for conservation purposes and to protect Bigfoot, right? Not to make them a target, make it a target, make the species a target. So um, I'm glad you brought that up because that's still the case. I do highlight newer sightings on the map, but there is a, a little bit of a delay. So that way people can't get right out there. And not that I think they'd have very much success. People have tried, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're batting over a thousand here. So, yeah, so um, but still, I don't want to be, uh, if that were to happen, I wouldn't want to play a part in that. That's for sure. So. Scott, we're coming up on two hours uh, again. Um, just, it's always wonderful talking to you. You're, uh, the project you're doing is is so valuable. And I mean, just from the standpoint of, of an enthusiast, you know, who's, you know, delving into this uh, not nearly as many years as I have or, or some, you know, I'm not a boots on the ground investigator. All right. I'm not out traipsing through the woods trying to find tracks and, and all that. I, my job is to sit and talk to people that do. And, uh, and I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, um, but what your service does is, I mean, just like I was saying earlier, it's, it's a pocket pal, you know, I can pull my phone out and, you know, a buddy of mine saying, Oh, I wonder if there's any sightings around blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> could tell yep. you, like in, less than two minutes. I can tell you, yeah, there are, right. um, you know, where are there not sightings? So, um, just keep doing what you're doing, man, because I, I think this is a very valuable tool and, uh, you know, I've got some, like I said, I've got some researchers that I'm friend, friendly with in the, in the Michigan area. And if they're not using your, your app, they need to be, um, because one in particular, um, I, I can tell you, uh, he's he's kind of like 
he doesn't like the newfangled stuff. You know, he'd rather get his boots mm-hmm. on the ground and get muddy and get that and all that. But man, this is this is a hell of a way to put yourself in a position to uh, change the odds. Make the most of that boots on the ground time. You yeah. know what I mean? Put yeah. some a little bit different way of figuring out where you want to go. Absolutely. So I am going to I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> okay. I'm ready I, uh, for this. I I have uh I have two things that I would love to see you tackle. Okay. And uh one being because of your most recent experience out in the Sedonas mm. is uh and I think we talked about this at one point uh, via message. Um I was really interested in seeing I know you did a I know you did a map that uh overlaid known cave systems with mm-hmm. the the Bigfoot uh hotspots throughout the country. Mm-hmm. And those those have lined up rather well. Um and of course that makes sense. And I'm sure your your byways probably line up very consistent with that as well. But the thing that really interested me, and it is now becoming even more topical than it was when <laughs> when I suggested this, is I would be very interested in if you can find, and I, th- I think I might have provided you uh, a website with uh, UFO sightings mm. mm-hmm. from, the, from the early 1900s through modern day. I do remember you sending that through, I think, yep. And if, if not, I, I can dig it up again. I would be very interested. Not, and now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Bigfoot are uh, the, you know, the watchdogs for ETs. Uh, that's not what I'm getting at. But I'm curious that is there a correlation between the areas where Bigfoot are found or sighted, reported, mm-hmm. and, and these UFO uh sightings i don't know the answer to that maybe i can have a different uh, an opinion by the time we talk again and I, I would appreciate that and the other thing would be if you could overlay a map of known nuclear sites both um, okay. nuclear power plants and any known nuclear military installations Interesting. Probably. I'd have to find that data set, but I'm sure it's out there. I would probably not really, all the military ones though, I bet. <laughs> probably not. You'd be able to find some of them, but not all of them for sure. Right. Um, but I'm I'm I'd be really interested to see if there's any if there can be any kind of correlation drawn between those as well. Well, we'll find out. Nuclear and UFOs are my top two maps. I think I can do that. <laughs> At the very, uh, I'll probably just send them to you first. Okay. And then let you have premier access to those. And then uh, with your permission, assuming you don't want to do anything with them first, I'll put them on the Instagram. Deal. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, and here's here's the reason I bring up the nuclear stuff is because there, there are several there's there's one gentleman in specific, um, Steve Dahl or Steve Isdahl, um, mm, okay. out of Canada. Out of Canada, I've heard uh, the name. He he runs a channel called uh, HowToHunt.com, 
Oh yeah. He, he's a, a guide hunter. Uh, but he's been, he's just inundated with people sending them, sending him emails about their reports of having encounters with Bigfoot. Um, there have been a number of them that have come from either military personnel or people who have worked in conjunction with nuclear sites that have many times had these things coming and actually breaching the, uh, the security fences that they have around these places. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm curious, I mean, is there a correlation to it or is this all bunk? And if there is a correlation to it, what's drawing them to it? You know, is it just, is it just due to placement, you know, which your, your byways that you're, you've just shown today, if they're in a position where they're like right next to or intersecting these byways, that would make sense. But if they're not, and they're showing up in that area, what's the attraction? What's the draw to it? Uh, right. So. That'll be, I was just thinking, uh, there's one site that you reminded me of while you are saying that. Um, and it was one, one that's in Antarctica, believe it or not. And it's um, a study, you just reminded me, for some reason, I jumped to Antarctica because of the uh, your mention of like secretive nuclear sites and mm-hmm. our, the thread we were on. And I was like, you know, Antarctica has got a lot of secrets and we do have a report there. So I just kind of was a weird connection for me. And I, I just was yeah. clicking on it to, to refresh about it. But yeah, it's uh, I will be happy to make those maps and share them with you. That for would be sure. Awesome. That would be amazing. Hopefully it'll be amazing. Hopefully it doesn't make me look like I'm a crackpot. So, well, <laughs> but I got I a mean, feeling. I doubt I got it a feeling. I got a feeling it's gonna it's gonna show something. I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I wonder. I wonder what the radius will be for um, sightings or reports within. Uh, a proximity to those areas because I mean again like I was talking about the extent of the map will matter at that point because if I'm very zoomed out and it's at like a country level it's going to look a lot more correlated than than if I zoom in on each specific area right. maybe for that map I'll put like a 10 mile radius around each each point just so people have a, a reference scale to understand what's going on because yeah. I think Otherwise, it kind of gets lost in the map. The other yeah. thing for another day that would interest me is do the the known ley lines throughout the world, do those intersections of those ley lines, do they correspond with any of what you've come across? You know, and th- this is coming from somebody who is, you know, entertaining things at a, at a much more um, open-minded level than, mm-hmm. than, than the science-based thought process that you're using. Um, but, you Those know. Those would be fun maps to make, so I'm not going to say no. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Um, I think there is a map that I made in the past that's on the, the Instagram um, where I analyze uh, magnetic and gravity data. Um, so that's similar to ley lines. I, I don't know a lot about ley lines, but I do know it has to do with the magnetic strength um, around the earth, the magnetic field. Yeah. Um, and what that, what magnetic and gravity um, data does is it measures that, right? So 
the signature of the, what's in the crust and the magnetic uh, strength that's in the crust, whether it's high, positive or negative, right, for example, and how strong it is in either direction, either pole. Um, so, yeah, that's on there. And that might be the closest thing I've done to ley lines. Um, but and it would be interesting. Maybe that would be a step towards what you're what you're thinking about. Right. Um, in, in, in terms of things I've already done and, and data that I've got available. This Scott, is fun. It's, it's been a blast with you, man. It always is. Uh, yeah. I, I wish you didn't live that far away. Cause <laughs> I think, I think throwing back a couple of beers with you and, uh, oh, yeah. and that would be a lot of fun. Um, my, uh, my wife would be like, are you ever coming home? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do me a favor before we wrap this up, let everybody know where they can find you, how to reach you and anything you have and anything you have coming up in the future that you know of. Um, let's see. You can reach me. Uh, you can always find all my information at www.bigfootmap.com. Uh, everything is there. The Instagram that uh, I post on is called, it's just Bigfoot Mapping Project at Bigfoot Mapping Project. Um, the app on both app stores ios and android is bigfoot map all one word uh and coming up i don't have um any appearances or anything like that or um any any podcast in the near future that i'll be on um i need to do uh i need to get my face out there so if anybody would like to talk please uh feel free to contact me i uh, could use all the practice i can get so um i just appreciate folks like you, Eric, for having me on and helping me uh, talk about the platform and, and giving me time to uh, share what I'm doing. It's I very much appreciate it. And uh, I hope that um, I hope that I'm welcome back. And I hope Absolutely. we have a lot to talk. I hope we have a lot to talk about next time. I know we will. Yeah. So um, I, with that, I just want to say thank you again. It's very much appreciated. And I know all the time and effort you put into your podcast. So I uh, just want to say uh, a big thank you for having me on. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I appreciate what you're doing. I think it has a, a great deal of value to uh, people everywhere from the enthusiasts to people that are going out there and spending their weekends or their, their vacations looking for these things. So with that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Scott Tompkins again. It's been a year and a half, and that's a little bit too long. I think we're going to have to. I, I agree. We're definitely going to have to have him back a little bit sooner for the next round. Uh, hopefully, he's taking me serious on these other two maps. I know I kind of spiraled out of out of the uh, the realm of science into <laughs> <laughs> some pseudoscience there at the end, but uh, I I think I think that will be surprised with the way those maps look uh, my my gut tells me there's going to be some correlations so scott again thank you so much man it's always a pleasure thank you good night